Welcome to episode 67 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing how to take tension out of your neck during core exercises, which exercises either help or hinder progress with diastasis recti, and what to do when you're feeling like your progress has stalled. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Episode 67. Uh, nothing really crazy to report since the last episode. Um, I just painted uh, our new goals board. is going to be relocated, and I just painted some idea paint. Yeah, which is, yeah, that's like clear paint that lets you write on the walls, which is pretty sweet. Yep, which is um, pretty cool. So, yeah, so that's, that was, was today. the most exciting thing today. <laughs> well, that's not true. We had a um, podcast interview with Duncan, oh, yep, which is really yep. cool. That's so, true. Um, Duncan is someone we met, uh, he came to our Fit 101 workshop, and then we met again in Nashville this past weekend at the user course, so we've had a couple interactions with him, he's just an awesome guy, and he asked if we could be on his podcast, which we were obviously happy to do, because he's been just a really nice person, and, and super respectful, so. Yeah. yeah, um, he actually, so after our Fit 101 workshop, he actually was talking to me about how he also wanted to set up his own podcast, and he was like, okay. Um, yeah, I'm just going to just research about like the different equipment. I'm, I'm going to attend a couple of workshops on it and, you know, make sure um, I chat with a bunch of people about it. And I was just like, you know, you should just go ahead and actually start it. Like you can like there's a lot of paralysis by analysis that people can take. And it's a lot of it has to do with kind of like chasing perfection. And you can go down a big rabbit hole of I got to learn all I got to read all these books, watch all these YouTube videos, do X, Y and Z. Um, before I actually start the thing, but actually starting the thing and actually doing the thing that you're trying to do will help you get much better at it, uh, much quicker and much faster than than you waiting for the exact right opportunity, the perfect opportunity to actually get started. Because there isn't a per- perfect opportunity, and the more you learn about it without actually doing it, the more daunting it seems. And the more you actually do it, you're like, oh, this isn't too bad, and you get better and better, and you really refine your craft that way. So. Um, we really recommend any coaches out there, any trainers, just start, you know, there's no, like the thing that's really holding you back is getting, probably getting judged by other people, but it's just, you know, you just got to put it out there, put yourself out there and just get into a good routine and good rhythm. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the best advice that you give Jason to a lot of people is like, just start, which is great, but also don't try to be something that you're not. So like, don't try to be an expert if you're two years in the industry. That's true, right? yeah. So there, there is a level of like experience that you do want to have before you start calling yourself an expert or really even speaking like an expert. Um, but what you can do is, to, so that you get comfortable with podcasting or with putting yourself out there, or with presenting, is just start... But talk about the, the things that you're learning yeah. or interview other people like Duncan's doing where he's actually just asking other people questions yeah. and then giving that that's the quality information that he's putting out there. Um, but he's also getting practice with speaking on some things himself and giving his input every once in a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this fine line between, yeah, you, you do need to have something to back you up. Like you have to have experience. You can't just start putting stuff out there. That's how some of this like... Instagram stuff happens that we're not super big fans of, right? <laughs> Where you start jumping on the latest trend and just start putting that out there. Yeah. Um, but if you have great intentions and you're really just like 
starting out and you want to share the things that you've been learning and the, the people that you've been meeting and the experiences you've been having, that's a really good way of, of getting going. Yeah. I mean, I, I think people get a little bit nervous, especially putting themselves out there um, on the internet. And it's like, oh, I have to pretend I like I know everything and that I, I can't show that I actually don't know everything. And I, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome and all that. And yeah, just literally going about whether it's an interview show or it is a Q&A show, just kind of going through the process of just saying like, hey, this is what I've been learning. This is who I learned it from. This is where I got the inspiration from. And just going through that process and really making sure that you're not posing as something that you're not, like Lauren just talked about. And you can get really successful that way. I mean, if you think about think about Lewis Howes, he's probably the ultimate example of yeah. this. And he started off, you know, he says he was on his sister's or brother's sister's couch, couch yeah. um, for a number of years. And then he just started podcasting and interviewing people. And now he's a big shot. He's like, he speaks he's been on all, Ellen twice. Yeah, and... he speaks all around the world. He's got two books. And he's just like, if you don't know uh, Lewis Howes, definitely check out the School of Greatness podcast. It's one of our favorite podcasts. Um, he just has a lot of good guests on. And he's just like a really good, like, no ego, a lot of vulnerability, and just a lot of like authenticity to him that um, is really refreshing to hear. And it's kind of like, no wonder he succeeded because he's just been so real to his um, audience for so long. Um, but I think he's probably like the ultimate example of you don't have to pose as someone as an expert. Um, but now he's gotten to a point where now he's an expert. So right. it's, he's it's pretty cool. talked to so many people who have been doing this for so much longer than him and like learned from all these people through interviewing them and yeah. has now created his own sort of thing brand, and yeah. brand. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a great point. He's Definitely one of our biggest inspirations. So yeah, very cool. Cool. Let's get All right. Questions. Let's get into the questions. So the first one is from Annie Kvasova. I hope I pronounced that okay. Um, she said, "Hey guys, I love your podcast and what you do. And in fact, I'm a virtual achiever thanks to Sarah and the awesome program she created for me. <laughs> um, I have a question. How do you unengage the neck when doing hollow holds or exercises with the head and neck off the ground? I don't do it myself, but I teach some people and have a really hard time." And they have a really hard time not using their neck in those exercises. I wonder if that means the hold should be regressed. If so, to what? Holding their arms, legs up separately or for shorter periods of time, marching, etc. Or is there a cue that can help? What often works is to look between the things instead of up to the ceiling. Um, but every now and then it just won't work. Looking for ways to regress or adjust this exercise. Uh, this is a great question. So what she's talking about is... When people are using, let's say, or doing something like a hollow hold or some sort of core intensive exercise, a lot of the times people will end up straining their necks and contorting their faces in an effort to gain some more stability. Their brain and their bodies are basically sensing, okay, there's not quite enough stability throughout the core, so I need to bring other muscles into play to compensate and achieve the desired result. So if someone's holding a hollow hold and they're just their core isn't strong enough to necessarily hold that position just yet, their body will try to recruit their necks and their faces and they'll hold their breath just to basically survive the movement rather than train the movement well. Yeah, exactly. Um, so the big, the big thing that I would say is if you notice that, the, the first stage that we always start off with is breathing from just a very, um, I guess, uh, quote unquote, safe position. So the first thing that we do for people when they walk into achieve is uh, after health history and all that sort of good stuff. But the first like exercise thing that we do is we go over breathing. 
and we have them lay on their stomachs and we have them rest their forehead on the backs of their palms. And from there, what we have them do is just breathe in, breathe in through the nose, breathe out through the mouth. And we wanna just see where they're breathing in. And ideally what we wanna see is have them breathe in towards their stomachs. And as they breathe down low towards their bellies, what should happen is their lower back should gently rise up towards the ceiling and their stomachs should gently press into the ground. And that's ideally what should happen. Most people, on the other hand, are gonna breathe up towards their chest and their shoulders, and they're gonna strain their upper, upper backs and necks a little bit to get that breath in. And you know, one or two breaths, that's totally fine, but if you think about it, you breathe tens of thousands of times a day, and if you breathe like that on a recurring basis, you're gonna end up getting a lot of kind of knots and tension in your upper back and neck. So that's the first thing that we address, and we do that um, with that uh, position that I just talked about, just laying prone on the floor, and we call that crocodile breathing. So we address breathing there, as well as various positions later on, but we dress, we start it there. And then from there, we have them get into these demanding positions on their core, but not quite hollow just yet. We'd rather have someone just totally lay down on their backs with their knees and feet up towards the ceiling, hands by their side, and not getting hollow, just totally rest your head, your upper back and uh, hips on the floor. And then from there, while keeping their rib cage down towards the floor, while keeping their lower back down towards the floor, then we want them to lower one leg down at a time. And we keep the lever really short initially, we want that leg bent. And then over time, as they get more and more proficiency through their core, they can start to lengthen out that leg um, until they get that leg straight. Once they feel comfortable there, then maybe we'll start to add in the arms as well. So maybe we'll lower down opposite arm and leg into more of a dead bug position, but that's kind of where we start. And that breathing and then core stabilization in a neutral setting then sets the stage and a platform for them to actually go into more of a hollow position, which is gonna be a little bit more advanced, a little bit more demanding. So I think people jump to hollow holds right away because they see, let's say, uh, gymnast doing them or whatever on Instagram and they go into what we call a level six hollow hold where arms are overhead legs are totally outstretched and for 99% of people that's going to be really difficult really challenging right yeah so we the marching and dead bug variations that we do the head is still on the ground yes um, so that that immediately like kind of takes that neck contribution out of the situation yeah but as long as you build the strength while breathing in those positions when you then go to do a hollow hold hopefully the neck continues to not contribute because it's already learned not to contribute to core exercises yeah um but if you go right from a dead bug to what jason was just describing with the legs out straight and the arms overhead you're increasing those levers so much you're putting so much demand on your core that it probably is too much to go from if, if that's like going from a to a to z um, and you need to take little steps in between. So we would say to start with both knees bent and your arms down by your side, kind of like reaching towards your knees. And that we call that hollow hold level one. Level um, two, right? Or actually that's level two. So the first one we do is actually getting hollow while holding your knees. Mm -hmm. So we have people just figure out the hollow position without actually really requiring their core to work that hard. Um, but just to feel what it's like to have their shoulders rounded off the floor a little bit mm -hmm. and to have their lower back, back pressing into the floor a little bit more um, and just breathing in that position. So then when they're ready, they just 
gently take their hands off their knees and try not to change their position in any way, keeping their shoulders off the ground, kind of rounded forward, and just breathe in that position. Yep. And we even have the holds, like instead of saying hold for 30 seconds, we say hold for five breaths. So that way we actually have people thinking about their breath as opposed to thinking about surviving the, the set. Yeah. And so that's level two. Level three would be to maintain that position and extend one leg straight out. And we try to do both sides within the same set. And then from there, let's say one leg's extended, we then have them go to level four, which is arms pointed up towards the ceiling. Level five is maintaining that position, but this time arms over their heads, so directly behind them. And then finally, level six is, is to extend that leg out. So if you think about it, we start off in a really like kind of like curled ball position, and we just slowly start to extend those levers out, which increases the demand on the core. But as long as we follow that progression, more than likely we're gonna be able to stop any sort of compensation in their necks and faces um, before it actually occurs. So our again, our kind of go-to progression is we start with breathing, then we go on to core stabilization in a more neutral position, and then we go on to core stabilization in a more hollow position while making sure that they can breathe on top of that hollow position. Cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. So hopefully that helps out. And yeah, if the hollow hold progressions that we explain don't make sense via podcast, we do have a couple of those examples on our Instagram page. Yeah. So you should be able to actually find like all of those progressions that we talked about. Yeah. All right. Question number two. This is actually two questions we're going to put into one. Um, first one was from Ziomai Gomez. Um, she asked, hi guys, I'm a super fan of your page. You're amazing. Oh, this some nice words, some nice things. I don't have to read those. Um, I was wondering if you have any tips slash exercises to close the gap between your muscles in your core after delivery. Thank you. And then the other one is, um, was in response to a story. She said, wait, this stuff about crunches is new to me. At what, at what point in pregnancy should you stop doing them? And what core work should you do instead? That was from Deanne Nana Nana. <laughs> or maybe one less Anna. I'm not sure. Um, okay, so two different questions, but kind of talking about the same thing. And so they're both referring to diastasis, which is this separation of your abdominal wall um, during pregnancy. And pretty much this happens to everyone. Um, your body has to make room for the baby. Um, it's definitely happening to me now. And I, the way I can see it is when I'm lying on my back, if I go to sit up, you can see this kind of like doming um, thing happening with my abs, which looks super weird and creepy, but basically you can see them kind of like create a, my stomach looks like a triangle when I'm going to sleep. Yeah, up. a little bit of like a cone head kind yeah, of Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Um, but it, it happens to everyone. It's not something to try to prevent or to like think about preventing. It's more about preventing, like you can prevent extra damage. Um, and I'll talk about that. But then when you actually deliver, you can end up with like a, pretty decent amount of separation that still exists once like post natally um, after you deliver. And so that can be addressed and that can be corrected with proper exercise. So I'll talk about first um, the like crunches and why to stop doing crunches during pregnancy. Yep. And then I'll talk about exercises to help fix it after. Cool. Um, so crunches are going to, like I was just saying, the, the way that you can see that diastasis happening is when I go from my back to sitting up, you can see that doming um, 
thing that's going on. And that's basically what you're, when you're doing a crunch, you're just exacerbating that separation even more. Mm-hmm. Um, so crunches and sit-ups are, they, they seem like good core exercises when people think about toning your abs and working your abs, but they actually, because your abs are already separating and they're already creating that space, you're actually going to continue that separation and actually exacerbate it as you're doing those exercises. So instead of crunches and sit-ups and anything where you're rounding forward, you want to think about keeping your core in a good stable position um, and not actually moving necessarily through your spine. So actually thinking about setting your rib cage just directly over your pelvis and doing things like um, an anti-rotation press, which is having a band attached to a pole, or you can do this on a cable machine, having the cable right at your chest and then pressing it out in front of you and the band kind of pulls you toward the pole and you're resisting that rotation. So you're still maintaining just good alignment while the band or the cable is trying to pull you out of alignment. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of like resisting movement. Um, And that's kind of all the core exercises you want to do are resisting movement rather than creating movement through your spine. Yeah. Um, Other options are like dead bugs like we were just talking about. (laughs) Those are good. Um, You don't want to be on your back for extended periods of time in your second and third trimester, but you can do small bouts of of dead bugs or marching um, and, and that should be totally fine. Um, you can do carries as well, so like a suitcase carry where you're holding something down by your side and just walking with it. It's kind of pulling you in one direction. You have to resist that by staying upright. So those are all appropriate core exercises to do during your pregnancy, but you do want to avoid crunches, sit-ups, um, like hanging leg raises, the sort of things where you're kind of compressing through your abdominal wall because it's going to it's gonna exacerbate that diastasis and it's going to make it harder to recover later. Yeah, and just by, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do are just like goblet squatting. We do TRX rowing. I mean, just the, these basic strength movements, you're really taxing your core more so than usual because you have more weight out in front of you. Yeah. So it becomes a much more challenging core exercise. So just by working out alone you're going to be stimulating your core, engaging your core. So um, you don't need that much more direct work on it because it's already getting stressed a decent amount. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the during pregnancy part. And then afterwards, um, first of all, you want to get assessed by um, a PT or by somebody who who works with um, postnatal women to see if you actually have a lo- like what level of diastasis you actually have or if you actually have it at all. And the way that people will test it is you'll lie on your back, you'll go to do a crunch basically, and you can put your fingers around your belly button or a little bit higher and press down. And if there's space there, if you can feel that there's no kind of connective tissue there, then you know you do have diastasis and they can measure how far apart that separation is. And the goal is to just bring that separation um back in yeah. so to minimize that that distance that they're separated um some ways that you can do this are number one is breathing so this all kind of goes like it's <laughs> going to come full circle back yeah. to uh what we were just talking about but breathing is going to be number one again you don't want to do crunches and sit-ups because again same idea is going to continue that separation rather than help it so avoid that start by lying on your back with your knees bent and doing some some diaphragmatic breathing and when you're doing that breathing, you also want you want to make sure that you're integrating your breath with your pelvic floor um, and your core. So it's kind of everything, it's integrating everything back together rather than just 
isolating the abs, you actually want everything to work together. So as you're breathing in, you want to think about pulling up through your pelvic floor. As you're breathing out, you're relaxing. But as you breathe out, you're also letting your, having your rib cage come down and kind of having your stomach go back in and pulling everything in and a little bit tighter with that exhale. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then from there, so that's going to be an exercise in itself. And if you're doing it properly, it's actually going to be hard enough for a little while. And then from there, you can do a regressed version of a dead bug where you're lying on your back with your foot on your feet on little sliders. Um, so you have on your back, arms by your side, knees bent with your heels on, a, on like valve slides or little furniture sliders. And then you do that same breathing, but on that breath out, you also extend one leg out on that slider and try to keep your lower back pressed into the floor. Try to, again, think about pulling everything in as you're sliding that leg out and then breathe in, pull the leg back in and switch sides. And that's eventually going to progress to things like wall marching and then dead bugs and, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of going just a few extra steps backwards to work back toward the almost up to like those hollow holds that we were talking yeah. about. <laughs> but I think the big thing is to not rush that process, right? Definitely. You just need to let your body um, heal on its own accord and make sure that you go through the right progressions while really making sure that you can maintain good breathing patterns. Otherwise, you know that things are starting to compensate and not really achieving the full effect that you want to achieve. Yeah. yeah. Um, other things are like glute bridges or mm, yeah. um, in body weight squats, like starting to just integrate movement in with the breathing that you're doing. You still can start to exercise. You don't want to, you don't need to completely stop exercising. You can just integrate things in with that type of breathing and that's actually going to really help. Yeah, so. totally. Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, and then I would just recommend going to check out um, Jessie Mundell. She has a core and pelvic floor program that I, I haven't actually done, but I might actually get it for myself. Um, but I know she has a lot of experience in this area and she's put together a program that kind of helps women who are experiencing uh, diastasis and, and how to... Yeah, like, and then also um, to go see a... Um pelvic floor, floor PT yeah, after, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, you don't even think about, you don't necessarily think about your core as part of your pelvic floor, but it, it is, it's all integrated. So yeah. um, yes, that's very important as well. All right, cool. And then our last question is a little bit long, but I'm going to read through it. So this is from Liko and she asked, um, I'm so glad, or she said, I'm so glad I found this account. Your post on your story about doing a full body workout made me feel tons better about myself. I also prefer to do a full body workout when I go to the gym. I'm not looking to com compete or anything. I just want to lose fat and gain some muscle if I can. Eventually I'll tone up, I'm sure, but I've been having such a hard time because I feel like I'm not making as much progress as I could be. I don't have a set workout schedule or even a plan when I go in. I just do whatever feels right or looks open at the time, and I really push myself. I'm trying to remind myself that something is better than nothing. I'm pretty much a mesomorph, and I'm wondering, am I doing anything wrong? Am I holding myself back somehow? Is there a specific workout I should be doing for my body type? Answer if you can. I'm sorry this was so long. Thanks for everything, guys. Um, oh, and she said, I forgot to mention, I very much prefer machines to anything else. I also prefer to work out at night. Okay. So, I mean, there, there's a lot with this one, right? I think that, I mean, first of all, she's doing a really good job in terms of, it seems like she's doing a lot of total body um, strength training type of workouts, yep. um, but it seems a little bit unstructured, um, which, you know, it, it seems like she's very comfortable with that. And I think initially, I think that's important to do just to make it as 
less pressure as possible for you to get into a routine. And hopefully that lack of pressure will make it much more reasonable and much more, um, just much more likely. Enjoyable. Enjoyable, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. like as soon as you put yourself on a rigid schedule that is really difficult to attain, you become more resistant, you become more resentful about the process, right? right? Yeah. So I, I think she's going at it from a, a, a good standpoint. Um, but it does seem like she's been hitting a little bit of a plateau. Yeah. And I think this is where, like, like just like you were saying, like, in the beginning, I think it is good to just get moving and mm-hmm. not worry too much about even what you're doing. Like, just move. If you're not moving now, move. Um, but you will hit a certain point where if you want to continue to see progress, you are going to want something a little bit more structured because you're going to actually be able to see your progress. When, you're, when you continue to do things that are random or just whatever's open or just whatever you feel like that day, yes, there's benefit to it still, right? You are still moving. You're still doing something good for your health, but it's not going to be as, you're gonna, not going to notice uh, the changes as much because you're not actually programming anything to see specific progress in any movement or any strength kind of yeah. endeavor. Um, and I think this can happen a lot of the times when the primary goal is, because she said, lose some fat, but gain, some gain a little bit of muscle. And I think what really helps turn things around is when you turn, when you basically flip the focus, when you focus on building muscle and then having the fat loss become kind of like a byproduct of that. Mm. And we see that quite a bit with our members where they start off thinking that they want to lose weight and then we kind of shift their focus to um, getting stronger and gaining more muscle. And it's, it's a very different psychological thing that happens from constantly trying to restrict yourself in terms of calories and trying to continuously get um, smaller, I guess, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. and flipping that to be getting stronger, trying to increase numbers and focusing on something that you're really trying to, I guess, be be more rather than constantly trying to be less. Yeah, yeah, and that mindset is that mindset shift is huge. Um, and then once you once you experience that shift, and then you actually start to focus on those things, you'll actually find a lot of the time that that fat loss kind of section or that fat loss uh, goal kind of just starts to happen as a result yeah. of you focusing on the strength and and all that yeah and the reason why we promote lean muscle mass so much is because the more lean muscle mass you have the more metabolically expensive it is for your body to hold on to that muscle so you end up burning more calories just because your body's trying to um, preserve that muscle basically and so our goal for anyone is to develop lean muscle mass to raise their uh, resting metabolic rate to make the process a lot easier you don't want to get into a cycle of not trying to gain muscle because that's the main engine for your metabolism, right? right? Yeah. Um, so that's that's the primary reason why we um, promote it. And then just a huge secondary reason that comes along with it is because it just becomes psychologically more, you know, um, enjoyable to focus on continuously trying to gain rather than continuously trying to lose and put yourself in a deficit. Yeah. So I think... And I think that setting setting some strength goals can be really empowering and then having a program to go along with that can be really empowering and can actually motivate you now that you've gotten into a routine of actually getting to the gym. Like having a goal of maybe doing a push-up or 
doing a pull-up or squatting a certain amount of weight, like having a goal like that and then setting up a program based around that goal is going to be motivating because you actually know why you're there. You know what you're working toward. And each week you can see your progress if you get a good program. And you know, early on, if you, if, if you don't know how to program for yourself, we would highly recommend seeking out a coach who knows how to program, um, whether it's a trainer at your local gym or someone online, but trying to find, or, or finding a program that's out there that's free, that's fine too. Just yep. find something that's structured that you can follow, especially once you've established a routine. Because it sounds like she's in a routine of going to the gym. Yeah. She's just doing random things. And yep. so now she's just not sure if that's really working. Yeah. So once you start being on a structured program, because you're already used to going to the gym and you're already in that routine, you won't be da- it won't be daunting to think about going in three times a week. You're already doing that. Now it's just actually putting the pieces together to actually work towards something specific. Yeah, especially something that's so controllable. Um, I know you mentioned that you like uh, prefer the machines, but it could just be a confidence thing. So hiring a coach to help you actually understand how to do, let's say, general strength training moves and also the power lifts will make you feel a lot more confident doing those. And when you can do something that you can clearly control, like I can increase this weight by five pounds next week and I'll be, I'll feel totally fine. As opposed to focusing on a different number like the scale, which can fluctuate dramatically based on water weight, how much you slept the night before, how much you hydrated. There's so many factors that go into it that are totally outside of your control um, that it's, it's just helpful to be in a mindset of you can control these numbers. Yeah. Um, and there's some things, there's some resources like I know like strong lifts five by five is a pretty good powerlifting program. I know um, Meg squats. If you don't follow her, she's a good um, you know powerlifter and also just kind of like general empowerment role model. I would say um, you can find her at, at Meg squats, um, but she puts out a lot of good information on that sort of uh, front. Um, but yeah, I, I guess just continuously making sure that you also follow accounts that are building you up and promoting this sort of thing, like just strength in general, as opposed to constantly following uh, accounts and people that tell you that you should look a certain way and and should be uh, diminishing yourself as much as possible. Yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Awesome. So I believe those are all of our answers to your burning questions for today. Thank you so much for submitting those questions. Really appreciate it. If you have a question that we haven't addressed, um, you can send us a DM at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram, and we'll try to get that on the podcast. And if you would, wouldn't, wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be great. We also have just put gotten this podcast up on Spotify. Spotify, yeah. So you can listen there as well if that's your preferred method of listening to things. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yes, that's all we have for you today. Sorry, this was a very jumbled up, uh, disjointed closing, but hopefully this outro will just wrap things up nicely. So, Until next time. Wait, what? You took my line. Oh, oh, I was trying to wrap it up for you. That's Sorry. my line. <laughs> I was I was gearing up to do like a really good outro. Okay. All right. All right. Okay, you got okay. it. You got it. All right. All right. Until next time. Peace. Love and, and muscles. muscles. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs>